mean, there's definitely going to be people listening to this that um, marry the wrong person. When you're dating, the most important time is the first seven seconds. So you only get to make a first impression once. Often people, when they meet online, they um, can think they have a huge connection with somebody but when they meet within a couple of seconds they know there's no connection they're like how is that like i've seen photographs of them they look like they're photographed we have this connection and banter and what that is 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 pheromones up to 30 percent of uh, men in between 20s and late 40s haven't had sex in the last year so women are hypergamous and men are hypogamous so how it works is women date across their Mm. social kind of levels and it can be a number of different factors The next stage is the power struggle. The average man says, I love you after 88 days. They're going crazy here now. Any family? I know they are. I know they are. Okay. But what I'm saying is. Ray Lockman, thank you for joining me. A real pleasure to meet you, Connor. Delighted to meet you too. Okay. So where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm from Mullingar. I grew up in Mullingar. Um, great out is kind of centrally located in Ireland, which is always fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's a great spot. If anybody's ever looking for a nice weekend away, come and visit Mullingar. And is there is there anything, say, in your formative years or growing up or in your education background that propelled you towards your current profession, matchmaking and dating, can you think? Uh, I don't particularly think so. Um, I suppose when I was growing up, I was the person in the teenage years that we were all the time matchmaking my friends. So I was definitely the one because I was quite confident. Now, I wasn't very loud or anything like that, but I did get the benefit of maybe romantic partners and, you know, the romance and the dating side of things. I think it was probably romantic movies and actually the person that set up a lot of my friends and so when a lot of my friends then started getting married on the back of me uh, having match made them in our late teens and early 20s, um, I had gone off to work in finance and I was loving that career. It was very male dominated industry. And I suppose when the recession hit, I worked through that and I realized like this is not what I want. I'm way more creative than this. I'm way more feminine than the financial industry would allow you to be. Mm. Um, And so I just decided when, you know, I realized how difficult it was to meet new people. I realized how difficult it was to find love. And so I said, right, let's let's just do this. So you set up a company called Find Love, right? What does. Right. No, Love HQ. Oh, sorry. Love Love HQ. Um, What does Love HQ do? So I'm a professional matchmaker and it's essentially I meet all of my clients in person. So I have a consultation with the client, as I was saying to you there a few moments ago. I travel all around Ireland meeting clients in person, which is the most important part of, I would say, my services that I meet every single person in person, not Zoom calls, not another member of staff. It is me that meets every single person. I meet people in Dublin, Galway, Cork, Limerick, Kilkenny and Mullingar. Sometimes if people are moving home from being abroad, living for years and or, you know, are moving to Ireland and really are looking to immerse themselves completely in Ireland and, and move back home properly. I will have a Zoom consultation with them, but yes, they still have to meet me in person before they go on any dates. I then arrange all of their dates and then I follow up with them after each of their dates as well. So that's hugely important. It's a full service kind of step by step some people really need no help all they really need is the introduction and off they go and next thing 
you know, a couple of months or a year or two later, you get a wedding invitation or photographs of babies some random Tuesday morning, you know, um, and then others, they need a lot more help. Um, they might be hugely capable people in a lot of instances, hugely successful people. Um, they may have huge success in their career, in their, you know, where they live, all of those sorts of things, but they've known to share that with. And that would be a huge category of, you know, my clients that I meet, excuse me, <clears throat> is that they are missing that somebody they may have focused a lot of people would say if you are extremely focused on one area of your life it is actually your downfall so mm. it's having balance a lot of people talk about work-life love balance uh, sorry work-life balance i talk about work-life love balance so that's what i wanted to create with um matchmaking i also uh, i'm the founder as well of a table for six which was, I would say, Ireland's biggest um, dating event. So I used to send three single ladies and three single men on group dinner dates all over Ireland. And I launched that one Friday. It, when I say exploded, um, within a week, I'd say I was on every radio show and newspaper in Ireland. And within three months, I was on, um, I had over 8,000 people on the waiting list. So we had to pause that for a couple of years with COVID, but we're hoping to bring that back soon. And that was hugely successful as well for people that maybe weren't yet ready yet to go straight into the whole matchmaking side of things, mm. um, but wanted to dip their toe in the water. So both really were kind of what we do here. We will hopefully be setting up a table for six again very soon, but it's the personalized one-to-one matchmaking, which is the main aspect. I also then have two podcasts. So um, my first podcast I set up during COVID and I realized that so many people were like, what do I do now? Like, is this my life over? Am I never going to meet someone? Am I isolated on my own? What I found is a lot of clients, they live alone because they were successful. They lived alone. They owned their own house. They went from having very busy lives. A lot of them were traveling all over the world, might be in, you know, might say to me, I can't meet that person for another three weeks because I'm working in America and then I'm going to Amsterdam and then I'm going here, there and everywhere. And so, you know, we'd be trying to schedule in their dates in between all of that to them literally being stuck at home, all of their pastimes gone, all their holidays canceled and literally having nobody outside of that. They're just living on their own. So I set up the podcast, would like to meet, and I only had expert guests on it. So I had guests like um, Jerry Hussey. I had Stephanie Regan, actually, who was on your podcast last week, who's now my co-host for my second podcast. Um, I had uh, Jim Hickey, who's a life coach. Um, I had like I just had so many um, fertility experts, because obviously at that time, women were all going out and getting their eggs frozen with the pandemic. They were all saying, stop the time, you know, this uh, biological clock. So. Yeah, I won a um, podcast award for that last year. And then myself and Stephanie, Stephanie set up Tough Love podcast last year. And we mm. talked about all areas of dating, love, sex, relationships. She's a clinical psychotherapist, as you had, as you know, um, and relationship expert. And so the two of us together, we're bringing kind of a different generational. Um, she's in her 60s. I'm in my 30s. Um, you know, I'm coming from the dating aspect. I'm putting people together. She's in the keeping them together further down the line. And we actually would have a big crossover of clients as well. I would send a lot of clients to her if I felt they needed a little bit of help and coaching in the right direction. And like that as well, sometimes she'd have clients come to her and she'd say, why don't you give them a call? And we, we get the ball rolling. And when you meet people face to face, right, and that's a very important part of it, what are you looking for there? What is, is, it, a, is it an intrinsic sense of who they are? What can yeah. you get in that face to face meeting? So when you're dating, the most important time is the first seven seconds. So you only get to make a first impression once. 
And so that's really the the main part of it is so when somebody's walking towards me, I see one their you know their body stance or how they hold themselves, the pace at which they walk, their facial expressions. Do they greet me with a smile or you know is it a, a deadpan face? Mm. Um, how they sit, you know, if they're going to sit kind of low on themselves or do they sit confidently? Um, they're also as well, things like smell is very important. And then obviously that lovely nugget that we hear on online dating a lot is height. You know, are they actually mm. as tall as they say they are and everything? So all mm. of those things are hugely important when it comes to meeting them in person. But also as well, it, there is, you know, I, there is a vibe you get off someone when you meet them. Um, mm. And there is a, there's a huge amount of science involved in dating. There's a lot of people out there doing online dating. Online dating only exists for the last 10 years. Tinder only turned 10 last year. And so if you think of the way people date, it's completely different to previous um, generations. And so very often people, when they meet online, they um, can think they have a huge connection with somebody but when they meet within a couple of seconds they know there's no connection they're like how is that like i've seen photographs of them they look like they're photographed we have this connection and banter and what that is 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 pheromones and so to a certain extent when you meet every single person your pheromones bounces off them you're you're trying to figure out that if you were to have babies would they have a diverse gene pool but there obviously is other messages that are brought in to that Mm. as well so my whole business is meeting people, you know, introducing people for romance. So why would I not meet them in person? If, you know, you should not be going to a matchmaker that's not willing to meet you in person. It's the most personal service that you will ever, you know, uh, encounter really, you know. And it could be the most life impacting as well. Um, so tell me about the matchmaking process. What criteria do you use to match couples? There's a number of different factors. Obviously, um, location is probably the first because, you know, where they come to meet me in the country um, and where they're able to meet. I match people up to an hour and a half uh, maximum unless somebody's looking for something very specific and we agree it beforehand that they're willing to travel a little bit more or they travel a lot as part of their job. Um, so yeah, location obviously one. Um, sex obviously is hugely important. Um, whether they're looking for male, female, so all sexualities. Um, and everybody's welcome at Love HQ. I don't care who they are. There are no borders. There's no you know limits on love. Everybody should be able to find love and should be you know accessible to to dating and love. Um, but main things that are, I think, are really important. Um, and there's some that are really important, but there's also some that is, I call them the superficial nonsense bullshit stuff that people come with, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think lifestyle compatibility is hugely important. Whether or not people want to have kids, it's like literally, are you going to go out this door or this door as to the type of people that I can introduce you to? Whether or not they have children themselves. Believe it or not, so most of my clients now say they will not date someone that smokes. That's a huge deal breaker. Now, there still are is some are some that, you know, are open to it. But that is a huge factor as well. Age is obviously something I don't think age should be a huge factor myself. I, you know, unless you're under a bit of pressure time wise for having children and everything like that. Um, there, the, the way I match people as well can be very different as to whether or not they have been married before and already have children versus um, if they are looking for their second life partner. Um, or third or fourth in some instances um, because the criteria they're looking for is very different. So the, the biggest decision and the most important decision that will have the biggest impact in your life ever is the person that you decide to spend your life with. with. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if we're being really honest, Connor, nobody puts really any effort into it. Like most people are happy to stick in their comfort zone. They don't give it any really thought. Um, there's definitely going to be people listening to this. <coughs> Excuse me. There's definitely going to be people listening to this that um, married the wrong person, that did the right thing by them, you know, by what society would have expected or by what their family expected or they got pregnant or whatever it is. There, mm-hmm. There is a lot of that. And you know, or just went on the, the next step at, at some stage that was just the right thing to do. So, um, you, you know, you have to take all those things into consideration. That sort of person that comes back to me then to meet their next partner, what they're looking for is very different. All of a sudden, so very often when men come to me first in their 20s and 30s, they might be like, oh, she has to be really attractive. You know, have you got any Instagram models? That sort of thing, you know, like looks might be a higher have a higher weighting than other factors um, for what who they're looking for. Um, but when they come back, maybe in their 40s, having been married, maybe have children already, maybe stayed a lot longer than they would have liked to because they had the obligation of children or to get the kids up to at least a teenage years or whatever. When they come back, then very often what they're looking for is in a female would be someone that has a little bit of life experience, that's somewhat independent themselves, somebody that is emotionally aware, no stress, no drama is what I hear an awful lot. And and looks from, are not- From who? These are from men, from men looking for their second partner, their second, we'll say, life partner. So especially so, if they've been married for a long time already. So no stress, no drama would indicate a contentious, probably, yes. dare I say, it's slightly traumatic first yes. go around the, um, plus the men have been through the divorce process mm-hmm. so and um okay so do you find people have unrealistic expectations at this stage at the start of the process and how do you deal with that i think age has a big influence as to whether or not people have um you know unrealistic expectations i think early 20s can be a little bit they you know they need a little bit more down to earth realistic this is who you are even starting with this is your our starting point is you you know so like we might need to do a little bit of work or coaching on you before we we send you out or sometimes excuse me sometimes as well they might say i want this these characteristics so i want a lady that's like super driven um entrepreneurial has her shit together, has her own business and is completely independent. But I, on the same, in the same person, I want someone that's a really good mom, maybe stays at home and a traditional kind of partner, you know? And I'm mm. like, okay, wait a second. This person works 60 hours a week and this person probably only has time to work 10, 15 hours a week if that's what you want her to be. So we have to have a realistic expectation as to, to what they're looking for. So, yeah, there is conversations that have to be had about realistic expectations. I sometimes have to remind people that we live in Ireland, that I don't have 7,000 Brazilian models on my books, <laughs> um, you know, but I there's other things then as well about what is genuinely important. I do also get a lot of ladies that come with very unrealistic expectations as to who they are, what they're looking for. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with the girl yesterday and, you know, during the consultation, I learned so much and that's why I meet them in person. And that's why it is so detailed because you can see where they're going to fall or where the pitfall they're going to be along the way. So I very much manage people's expectations. So I had a lady yesterday and we talked about what she'd like to meet in a partner. Now she's had 
has been married before, uh, is mid to late 30s. And so when I asked her what she's looking for in a partner, it was all superficial stuff again, still, you know, and I was like, like, like um, <clears throat> tall, dark, handsome, successful, driven, likes a lot of foreign holidays. Now, she's very successful herself. She's a very good career. But, um, you know, I had to delve a little bit deeper again. So how do you want to feel in your relationship? And she was like, and I, what's more important, how you feel or how, what, what you see or, or the things you originally said? And she said, well, obviously how I feel. And I said, well, they need to be what the heaviest weighting are. Mm. You know, so it's, it, 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 the expectations, every single person is completely different. I don't tell them they're right or they're wrong, but we may have a conversation as saying that's three people in one person, or this is where the starting point is. So that type of person that you're looking for, well, they're probably looking for this sort of person. So maybe we need to do an adjustment. I get everybody to come dressed as if they were going on a date already. So that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I said, meet every single person. You know, in Ireland, most people are great. The gift of the gab. Every single woman asks me for a guy with a good sense of humor. So if I meet a guy and he's very serious, I, you know, I'm going to tell him every girl, every girl, lady, whatever the age are, they want to meet a guy with a good sense of humor. And I think really what they're looking for there, it is, yes, a good sense of humor. They don't need like, you know, belly fulls of laughter all of the time. But I think it's so they'll feel safe that they're not what's going to be with someone that's grumpy or violent. You know, if someone's violent, they don't tend to be great fun. So um, I think that it's there's kind of other reasoning behind it when it comes to these sorts of things. And also it's it's about the mood then that would be created. So if you have somebody that's affable and light, they're yes. going to create a light mood. Um, so a playful mood. If you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I like, look, everybody wants somebody that's going to enhance their life. Nobody wants to come home in the evening. And as they're walking in the door going, oh, my God, what am I going to expect when I open this door? Am I going to be in trouble? Am I am I late? You know, did I do something earlier this morning or leave something plugged in or the immersion on or whatever it is? You mm-hmm. know, nobody wants to live like that and be walking on eggshells. So mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of ladies ask for that. Um. OK, so. um. In your experience, what is the the, the, the challenges or the, or the misconceptions um, people have about dating, right? So we know that a lot of people get quite nervous and anxious before that first date, right? Mm-hmm. What what challenges do they have to overcome, especially on on the first date? Um, I think first of all, it's getting into the right vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually, if we probably start is getting out of their comfort zone, you know, are they genuinely looking for for love or are they just looking for something casual? Um, you know, we might touch on very briefly the fact that up to 30 percent of uh, men in between 20s and late 40s haven't had sex in the last year, um, which is a huge amount. Now, these are figures coming out of America. But like mm. if we actually look at it. There's something happening there. Men are getting their dopamine hit somewhere else. So a lot of them are getting it from porn. A lot of them are getting it from um, video games. They're getting it maybe as well from like Instagram to a certain extent or the whole retail kind of buying consumerism side of things. So if we look at that, it's like looking at really society and how we're kind of where dating kind of fits in. And I think it's very important that people come back to what is important in life. We've got a little bit lost with the shiny fast things in life, as opposed to actually having someone to share it with. 
as I said to you earlier, a lot of my clients that come to me, they are very successful. And I don't mean hugely wealthy. Some of them are, absolutely. But they're more than comfortable within their life for one human being that's single, you know, living in Dublin or wherever they are around the country. So if you actually look at it from that perspective, like they only want to meet someone that's going to enhance their life. So it's one deciding that they want to meet someone. Now, for most people, the motivation for them coming to matchmaking for a lot of men in their 30s, it is that they would actually like to start a family or and 40s. Um, I like get a lot of men right up. Like I have everybody from ages, we'll say 21 to 83. Mm. Um, main, 83? 83, yeah. Wow, That's fantastic. Crazy, yeah. I met a gentleman yesterday in Galway that's 72 73 you know that came to me um and look we're always looking for matches so if you have parents in that age group or grandparents in that age group when you're listening to this send them on to me because all we want to do is help as many people to find love but if we look at what people are actually looking for um they've gotten distracted and they've gotten their love is not as important to them um and unfortunately I think the pandemic did help uh, a lot with people realizing look I don't have that special person in my life hmm. but I think a lot of men unfortunately leave it and on the long finger they don't they think they don't have this biological clock if you actually look at your fertility um realistically you should be having children as early as possible as well because there are a lot of complications within the the ladies pregnancy um increase in miscarriage autism things like that the older the man is so if we look at those sorts of things it is very important but the main motivation for most men coming to me in their 30s and 40s is right they just bought a house we call it the taxi life light theory um you know new york and the taxi light is on they're available but like a lot of men that might have just bought a house may have just gotten the to the level of their career that they're now comfortable and they can kind of plateau a little bit um that they were living in dublin for years and have just moved back down home because they've built a house down there and now have the option to work from home so these those sorts of things are motivations for a lot of people to come to me um, obviously for ladies as well, it would be to meet someone to have start a family with. So that would be our main age group, but I, I would still have hundreds. Like I've matched over 7,000 people since 2016, all over Ireland, all age groups, all walks of life. I also do a thing called the farmer wants a wife. So I have people from the most westerly part of Cork to the most north of Dublin and the most easterly point, point of, of Ireland as well, and everybody in between. But they would be the main reasons why people would come to me, Connor. And um, do you think that uh, men and women, when they date, they date differently? Yeah, I think they date very differently. So women are hypergamous and men are hypogamous. So how it works is women date across their mm. social kind of levels. And it can be a number of different factors. Women date across and up and men date across and down. Uh, probably not the best thing to discuss maybe on if I was on a, a national radio show because it, it you know people don't, it's not it's an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people but essentially there's kind of a, there's a lot of research done but there's four main characteristics and they say that in traditional male and female matches um men need to be higher in three out of four of the following so age height wealth and then education slash, slash social status so men like to be, and in most cases, when women come to me, they want a guy that's taller. They want a guy that is slightly older. Um, they want a guy that maybe earns more money than them. And it's not that they're gold digger, and I'll explain that in, the, in a minute, or that they have a bigger personality or persona than they have, or, you know, more Instagram followers, if that's the sort of uh, area of life they're in, you know? Mm. And then men, the opposite. They tend to want a lady that's slightly younger, slightly um, smaller, um, 
has a smaller job, we'll say, or I don't, don't mean it by smaller job, but like maybe less affluent type of job. Um, and then obviously social status as well. So, and the reasoning for that is, as I was saying, women are hypergamous and men are hypogamous. Um, women, if they have a baby, they automatically drop a number of points when it comes to their social status. And like, look, I try and keep this out of matchmaking as much as possible, but but there is a certain level to it. Like we've, women have obviously come in a huge way within careers and life and independence levels. I had a lady the other day, she, you know, owns her own house, is director in one of the international, big international companies, and had just had a baby a few years ago um, by, you know, sperm donation. So essentially she's completely self-sufficient herself by being able to outsource everything within her life. But realistically, in the most case, what we have is people that their first generation of maybe a woman being in the management position or in a high career position. And therefore what happens is they have to, they still have to stop their job. They still have to keep a little human alive if they have children. And therefore they're, they need someone to, in most cases to keep a roof over their head or what their natural instinct is to have someone that can keep the roof over their head or to look after the house while they keep this little human alive. Very often the female, regardless of their job or the male's job, very often in in a lot of relationships still, the woman is still the default um, you know, parent. They are the kind of leader on the parenting side of things for the first few years at least until things settle down. Now there are I'm not going to say exceptional men out there. There, it isn't. It's a it's a two way thing, and obviously there's men that are fifty fifty. So there is no right and wrong in this, and that's one thing when people come to me. And if you listen to my podcast with Stephanie, we are very balanced. We are very realistic. We understand that people are coming from all different directions. We understand that there is the most part. What we often talk about is the probability of our clients or where the kind of average sits. But obviously we we get both sides of it. But yes, the way men and women date are completely different. Um, and so women obviously want to meet somebody that is at least they're equal or slightly bigger with those things, those characteristics that I described and men the opposite. And it's not just, you know, in some cases, it is absolutely in the most case. Now, I do see exceptions to that. I see exceptions to that where people have achieved something on their own merit within their life or have done a lot of personal development, self-development, self-exploration, are very emotionally aware, things like that. And so I did mention a few months ago is the superficial nonsense bullshit stuff. Like, why does it matter if a man is younger or older than you? Is it really that important in 2023, you know? Why does it matter if a guy is taller or smaller than you as a woman? in 2023 if it doesn't matter to him it shouldn't matter to you and so it's there's a number of different things who who like who cares or who made the rule that men should earn more or women should earn less it's kind of like you know the doctor nurse which one is the male and which male is the female sort of thing so how we're even teaching kids is important i think for future dating because also figures coming out of america is that um twice as many women are graduating with degrees in universities in the, in the US as males. Now, 
if we're just measuring degrees, all of a sudden it's like, oh, women are way more educated. But actually, if we look at maybe apprentices and we look at um, trades and things like that, which let's face it, we we need all of those things to have a house and a roof over our head. So, you know, when you only start measuring in one direction, and that's the great thing about people is everybody's different. For every, as my granny says, for every sock, there's a shoe. So if you're not finding your person in the way that you're dating, come to someone like myself, because guess what? I have all sorts of everybody here. Um, you know, I just recently had a guy, um, he's looking for a female-led relationship. He's ex- extremely successful in his career um very independent has has his own house in a very nice place a part of ireland he's tall he's handsome all of those things and i you know said to him what does the female-led relationship mean to you and he's like well i just make so many decisions in work all day that i don't want to come home and have to be the man of the house when you know i would like a lady that's nearly like my equal or can like push forward in other areas i like a lady to be more dominant because i have to be the dominant energy in work so this there's lots of different different types of people out there and you wouldn't know that that's the type of relationship he's looking for if you meet him online and you know not things like that are not always received well if you meet someone online or out and about yeah plus we know that uh, well what we hear is that females do like men to lead so that could Absolutely. present him with a, pro- a slight problem yes um Okay, so you or, mentioned, or the perception can be that then that he might be lazy. One lady, when I suggested him, she was like, "Is he just really lazy?" And I'm like, "No, it's it's a t- completely different vibe than that." So we continue speaking. Yes. So you men- you mentioned three out of four things that men need to be higher in terms of the hy- hypergamous mm-hmm. relationships. Um, what I'm hearing there as a man is, okay, it's going to take some time, mm-hmm. right? Hence the reason why men will probably delay. So status power, influence, wealth, money. Those things don't drop into your hand when you're 20 years of age and you're a man, unless you inherit them, which is Mm -hmm. unlikely. So it takes you time to build up to that level of influence. So I can understand why men would delay and delay and delay. And then boom. Um, Okay. So that's very, very interesting. Um, Okay. So moving from the the dating phase to the relationship phase, Mm -hmm. right? So I've watched a lot of people online that, that they suggest in, in preparation for this conversation and they people like um, David Boss, um, <laughs> three, four, five. How long should people be dating, in your view, before we start to move into the relationship phase? Are we talking three months, six months, three weeks, three dates? What do you think works? Um, I am going to say that every body is different. OK, so. The reason I'm going to say everybody is different is because they are. It depends on how emotionally aware they are. It depends on how ready they are for a relationship. But most of all, and the most important thing in any relationship is communication. How good you communicate. If you commit, if you are in a relationship with someone that's poor communicating, has bad flirting skills, has bad honesty skills, is coming from a place that they probably should have went to therapy for a few weeks before they start their next relationship long distance relationships, all of those sorts of things. There's so many variables. Okay. Now in theory, I would say if it's your first big relationship, I think you should be at least a year dating before any huge decisions. I definitely think you should definitely wait a year before having kids or getting married. 100%. I think you should wait a year. Um, 
Other than that, it's up to yourself. I would say to a certain extent, you need to be aware if it's too good to be true at the beginning, I would just be slightly aware of love bombing, which is kind of narcissistic characteristics that they love bomb you with everything you want to hear and everything and then they retract it and it can be quite difficult to get out of that relationship. So be very careful. If it's too good to be true straight on, just question and slow down. Should, you know, is this love bombing? Mm. Do I still have my rose tinted glasses on? There's three stages of love. One is the romantic stage. So that's where um, the the rose tinted glasses are still on. Your hormones are through the roof. The sexual energy is through the roof. The big buildups, they like they even have to look at you and you're just like tingling all over sort of phase. Okay, so Mm. that's the romantic stage. You do not, if you can hold off falling in love in that stage, that's a very good, good bit of advice. The next stage is the power struggle. I would say this normally kicks in about five to six, six weeks in. The rose tinted glass start falling off a little bit or kind of starts falling down the face a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think this is no harm. Also, you're probably meeting each other a lot more. You're probably spending each time with each other a lot more as well. The power struggle, there's two things that can happen at this stage. Um, one, you can keep on going, okay, and communicate very well. And the chances are you'll get to the third stage, which is your happy ever after, or at this stage, I think what happens to a lot of people at this stage, and I actually kind of, you know, about I nearly set a timer for about four or five weeks in for my clients that have, I've matched up and I'm like, oh, they're a little bit, they're very happy over there, but I'm just going to give both of them a phone call just to let them know. What happens at this stage is the power struggle. So maybe he has been late the last three times or has had to reschedule the date the last three times or... Mm maybe she i don't know you know didn't what didn't turn up or whatever it is there's just be can be something um or they host maybe football training in front of uh, you know as a priority instead of your date or something like that and at that stage you are starting to fall in love so the average man says i love you after 88 days the average woman after 124 days. Now, I don't know where they came up with both those figures because somebody must be saying, I love you back and I'm going to wait 40 extra days without saying I love you. But that's the average statistics on it. So somewhere about five, six weeks from there to about 88 days into the relationship, um, you really just need to be very careful that you are in enough that you're in a vulnerable position now. You may not have had the conversations of what is this? Are we in a proper relationship? Are we exclusive? Are you seeing other people? You haven't texted back for two days. They're still inconsistent in, you know, how many dates we're going on per week. I don't know if we're actually dating or is this a situationship? We've had sex. We have, you know, all of those things. And at that stage, for a lot of people, it's easier to self-sabotage than to continue with that relationship. And the reason people self-sabotage is because at least in that way, if they end the relationship or they do something that the other person ends the relationship, at least they can predict the outcome. Mm. It's a familiar feeling to them. So they're less vulnerable. They are less kind of left out to chance or what could happen. And for a lot of people, they're not control, good at being, control, yes, as well. control as well. For a lot of people, they're not good at being outside their comfort zone. So they're certainly not okay with... Um, 
their heart being left outside their comfort zone. And you see this a lot with very successful people. And mm. this is why a lot of very successful men and women are single because they are so good at business and they're, they are at the stage now, especially in their thirties and forties, they are at the stage that they're in a management position. They know where everything is. They know how much money is nearly predicted to come in for the next two years. They know how much stock is coming, what day it comes on, everything like that. That's fair enough. That's their business. And so they're financially, you know, everything is fine, but your heart is your most vulnerable part of you. And it is a reflection of you. Cause so if your business fails, you can set up another business, but your heart is so exposed and so vulnerable. And that's a scary place to be in five, six weeks in also as well, what you have to remember is when you have sex with someone, especially women, their bodies are absolutely flooded. And that's why we say, try and hold off as much as possible. Now I'm not a, a big believer in like, wait till day three, day three, four, day five. I'm just kind of like, here's the information. Just realize this is what's happening. You know, when you have had sex with them. The and oxytocin effect. The oxytocin, the neuroadrenaline, the dopamine, all the rushes that come with this. Women now think they're in love. So this guy can now come to you and say to you, you know what? I'm not really looking for a long-term relationship. You never had the conversation maybe before you had sex. I'm not looking for a long-term relationship. Mm. And, um, you know, but like, do you want to go out for a pizza on Friday night? And why don't you stay in my house? Chance there, she's kind of like, maybe I can, you know, maybe I can convince him a little bit because my body now thinks that I'm in love with you. Mm. So it's all of that stuff is going on. So there is no right and wrong answer. It's kind of how much do you know about what's going on in your own body? How much are you aware? Do you know what you're looking for? Do you know the type of partner that you're looking for? Are like, is this person the type of partner you're looking for? What type of life do you want? How do you want to feel in your relationship? All of those things are really important. So what type of conversations are you having um, with the person? So that's what I would say. There are certainly conversations that need to be had. Myself and Stephanie have that on our Tough Love podcast. What conversations do you need to have with someone before big life choices, like moving in together, like maybe giving up your job to move down the country to live with somebody, like getting engaged, like having a family, like getting married, all of those things. There are so many conversations that need to be had. And what I would say to anybody that's trying to improve any area of their life. Get good at having uncomfortable conversations, but especially get good at having uncomfortable conversations with potential partners with your other half. Because guess what? By having uncomfortable conversations with them, they become less uncomfortable. Like I'm very fortunate in my relationship that, and that's partly why I do what I do as I was in love and I realized, is this it? You know, I am in love. You can be in love and it be the wrong person. And I realized I'm not really comfortable in this. He does drink too much. He's not, you know, I, I remember standing in my bedroom, like, like absolutely bawling, crying. And I'm not a crier, but I was like bawling, crying, going, is this my life? Is this actually it? Is this what, is this what's supposed to be here? And I remember thinking to myself, this is like, I just want to be on my own if this is the shit that I have to be putting up with. Mm. And so luckily I moved away from that. But I did a huge amount of work on myself and also from being a matchmaker, I was like, how do you get this 10 out of 10 relationship? And it's not that I was looking for perfection. It was just like, what are the elements that create it? And definitely communication is one of them. Next of all, if you're with the wrong person, you know, your gut is telling you like you, if you don't want to be with this person anymore, there's no, there's no reason you need to give for breaking up with them. The actual words of, I, I just don't want to do this anymore, should be enough. Now I know they're going to ask you a hundred things. If you give them a hundred reasons, they're going to come back with a hundred alternatives to fix it. If you know in your gut, I just don't want to do this anymore. Stop wasting time in the wrong relationships. The right people are out there. 
do some work on yourself, get comfortable with yourself, what you're truly looking for, what you're truly looking for in a partner, what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy. And so I'm very fortunate when, you know, with my partner, like straight away, our conversations have been 100% honest. And sometimes I'll say to him, I just really just need to have a conversation with you about something. And I just put it out there. And then I'm like, sorry to be annoying, but I just need to have that conversation. He's like, I actually really like the way your, your mind worked on that. Okay, let's figure it out. And so it's figured out. And then he actively tries to fix it or I actively try and fix it. And if we can't fix it, we come up with a reason as to why we can't. I was watching something recently with Brené Brown and she says when she comes home from work in the evening, herself and her husband are like, hey, how was your day? And how was, you know, vice versa, how was your day? She might say, so they're saying that a real relationship isn't 50-50. Sometimes it's 20-80. Sometimes it's 70-30. Sometimes it's 20 and 20 and they only have 40%. They can't even make up the 100%. So if she says to him, I only have 20 this evening. He can sometimes say to her, you know what? I'll I'll take the other 80%. Like, how, how was your day? Do you need to have a chat about it? She's like, no, I just need to go in tomorrow, but I'm just, I'm, got, I'm spent. There's nothing left of me today. He's like, good, I'll look after you. I'll cover you the other 80%. Then sometimes she comes home, she, he's like, I only have 20 and she only has 20. And that's when they decide to be really kind to each other. And they decide that they're going to be gentle on each other, try and give a little bit more if they can and they'll sort it out as soon as they can. They sit down and they have a conversation with, okay, how can we get back to our baseline as soon as possible? And that's what I try to do in my relationship. And guess what? It's a much happier place. Yeah, what I'm, all, everything you've spoken about there is about communication and compromise. Everything. Right? Um, okay, so we've discussed red flags. Okay, so somebody comes to your, your agency, somebody comes to you um, and you can tell immediately that they may have a self-confidence or self-esteem issue. Yes. Right. Can you help them there? Or is that something that factors into who you match them with? Both. Absolutely both. First of all, we probably have a conversation about what they're comfortable with, you know, mm. where they are at themselves, how they can get more comfortable with themselves. Um, what, what is holding them back? If it is something to do with the previous relationship, a certain level of trauma, childhood, something that, you know, work related, anything like that, I'll probably send them to Stephanie for um, a few sessions. I will mm. say Stephanie is great. She's not going to drag it out for six months. She's going to get to the source. We both kind of, and that's why our podcast is called Tough Love. We kind of, we decide, the two of us have had conversations. Look, we can go all around the houses with this, but where do you want to go? We're both, most people that we meet are realistic business type of people. They want to get to A from B as quickly as possible. They don't have time to be talking for six months. So like, how can we get there? Um, again, even having those uncomfortable conversations, a lot of people I meet, I say to them, are you introvert or extrovert? They're like, well, I'm extrovert in work, but I'm introvert personally. That's only because you were forced out of your comfort zone to be extrovert at work. So you have the capability of building some of those skills within dating as well. Also as well, talking about not having a fear of rejection. Like realistically, if you ask somebody out on a date, you know, and I say, don't ask them out. Just if you're getting on well, someone say, are you single yourself? Okay, we should, we should grab a coffee sometime. It should be as simple as that. Not like, would you like to go and have a coffee with me sometime? Can I have your number? All of the stuff, just like, we should go for a coffee sometime. I enjoy this conversation. As simple as that. And then saying to them, great, I'll give you a shout on Tuesday or Wednesday and we'll arrange it. But yes, I do tailor the type of person I match them with then as well. So 
you know, if they're very introvert, sometimes I will match them with someone that is a little bit more empathetic, I would say, or a little bit kinder, you know, I'm not going to send them on a date with someone that's just going to be like, why are you not talking to me, you know, straight in their face. Mm -hmm. um, so a little bit more empathetic, somebody that maybe has good conversational skills themselves that can kind of carry the conversations, I maybe prepare certain things for them. So if I ask them what you like to do for fun, like that question is always going to be asked on every single date ever. So if they can't even answer that, I'm going to coach them on, okay, let's really think about what you enjoy doing for fun. Uh, if they don't have hobbies, I say to people, get more hobbies. Uh, we saw Scott Galloway there a couple of weeks ago, Professor Scott Galloway. He's like, get out of your house. If you're single or if you're trying to increase your career, get out of your house. If you're sitting at home playing computer games on your own, if you're watching Netflix on your own, you're never going to meet anyone. You're not getting any further on your life. You're literally sitting still. Nobody's coming. Nobody's knocking on the door, those sorts of things. So I help them to increase their skills in those area. Irish people are really bad at flirting. What's the issue with it? You know, get good at that. I have a great friend. I was out for drinks with her a few years ago. And like, I was quite nervous about flirting um, it was before my matchmaking days. And I remember watching her in action one day and I was like, holy shit, what the hell is this? You know, she's like, oh my God, I love flirting. And I was like, I'm attracted to you because of this like she just the way she talks the way she moves everything like that and so i really just kind of observed her and i was like i really want to up my flirting skills and now i love flirting you know and i think everybody should get used to that even touching their arm even like being able to look in somebody's eye their mouth their subliminal messages you can give someone if you're chatting to them maybe look at their lips as you're talking to them it does give them subliminal messages that you would like to kiss them giving people a compliment is really important um you know, you can kind of trick yourself. I also say to people, if you're really shy and not confident, start with conversations that are easier. So by just jumping straight into standing in a bar, talking to someone you fancy, like that's going to terrify you. And let's face it, probably set you back about six months. But how about the next time you go into a shop, chatting away to someone and saying, hey, how are you? The weather's fabulous out, isn't it? It's lovely. And, you know, just starting right. conversations elsewhere. Well, the important thing there is to make sure that if you are chatting, you don't have expectations of a result. So you just yeah. chat for the sake of chatting, not trying to get from point A to 100%. point B. And it makes it a thousand times easier. You mentioned something there I wanted to ask you about, right? So you're working with clients. Mm -hmm. Not every date is going to be successful. You're going yeah. to have to deal with them in terms of rejection and disappointment and build yeah. them up. So you're going to probably have to build them up again and build a little bit of self-esteem back and then send them back out on their next date. Would you do kind of a forensic examination of what happened on the previous date or would you just sweep it aside or what does that process look like? It depends. First of all, I do manage expectations at the very beginning. So I often say to people, I, you know, I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to fall in love. I'm not going to guarantee that you even meet someone that you have chemistry with because I can't have anything to do with chemistry, but you will see why I matched you with each person. So it starts at the initial consultation and that does kind of help with the rejection as well. So, you know, if you're two dates in or three dates in and you they decide they want to change a direction, that does help. Mm. Um, I, I call every single person after each of their dates to see how they got on. In the most case, people will say to me, really lovely person. I can see why you matched us. We actually had a great conversation and got some tips for where I'm going to go skiing next year and, you know, branching out or they're actually setting me up on a date with their best friend. They reckon that they'd be more suited or whatever. You know, I'm all about people matching, you know, wherever anybody finds love. But sometimes then you do have to have a proper conversation based on what feedback might be. So I had one gentleman a few years ago, he cursed the whole way through his date and it was pure, it was just absolute 
cursed nerves. nerves yeah. No, it was. And it wasn't his personality because he hadn't cursed at all during the consultation. Another lady that just talked about her ex for the whole day. And of course, she hadn't really mentioned him during the consultation. So when I was talking to her, I just realized that two days previously, her ex had texted her. So he was back on her mind. Um, for other people, it could be confidence um, things. For other people, um, women, actually, one of the things they have read so much Cosmopolitan that uh, during their teen years, they were kind of brainwashed into saying, don't tell a guy that you'd really like to get married and have babies because it scares mm. them away. But when guys are ready to get married and have babies, they want to know that the other person is ready to get married and have babies. So sometimes a guy will ask a lady, do you think you'd like to have family? They're like, Mm, I'm not sure. Whereas in their consultation, they could have said, yeah, I absolutely want to. So, you know, then that can often result in a rejection. So what I, you know, if somebody, the chemistry in the most part, if it's there, it's there. So it's very rare that one person has it and the other person doesn't have it. For some people, they might say, look, I would have went on a second date, mm. but they get it. They're like, I totally understand if that person doesn't want to waste their time or I kind of maybe got something. Dating is very selfish. It's very the rejection part is very little to do with the person that that's on you went on the date with it's very often your own feeling so reasons why people have rejected the other person things like he reminds me too much of my dad he looks like my dad um, that's a good thing i know but it might be or it might not be not if your dad was an alcoholic and abusive mm. or something like that you know um it there's so many reasons but it's very rarely something to do with the other party it's usually something to do with themselves i'm looking for something specific and um, they may be unrealistic in what they're looking for and we might have another conversation about you know i know that one time we went on a date with uh 10 and i use this in inverted commas but like you know not everybody you're going to date you if you're holding off for a 10 for the rest of your life and you know she was a pretty good eight and a half you know i'm just only using that for the purposes of the conversation all of those things for some people, there's, there's just everything. There is no, and that's the thing. There is no solid answer. If there was, I would fix it a hundred times over. So I normally like there, that's one person in the entire world just to keep going. And very often I say as well, unless it's a hell yes, keep going. Mm. Now I will say at the end of each date, I think the only question you should ask yourself is would I like to meet them one more time? Because okay. Very often people are just like, they're there with their wish list. They're too hard on the person. People are not, some people are not great on dates. They can be very nervous. There can be then, you know, environmental things going on. There could be a kango hammer going off in the cafe that you went to, or there could be, you might've been late because, or you might've had a, a, you know, a meeting with your boss beforehand and been very stressed going into it. So if there's something there, I definitely think what's another coffee? What's another drink, you know, um, obviously then as well, don't drink too much. Don't, you know, if there's whatever the feedback is, I, I will give it back to them. Now I will say there's an exception. Sometimes I find that some of my clients, the fault is never them. It's also, it's always the other person, the odd time. Okay. Mm. In which case I'm not going to say, if I told them before the date, this guy is tall, dark and handsome. And I've told them exactly this, who he is and what he's going to look like before he could go out on a date. And then they come back to me like, mm, to be honest, I prefer fair hair, hair guys. I'm not going to go back to that guy then basically and be like, oh, well, actually, you know, um, you need to dye your hair blonde for the next date. You know, I, I choose the, um, the information that I give back if I think it will help their next date. 
if I think it's if I just think it's somebody's personal preference or if I think that somebody's being too harsh or something, I will I will alter my feedback if necessary. But I will always give a solution. Yeah. Um plus I mean the tall, dark, handsome thing, these are those are immutable characteristics, right? They can't yeah. be worked on and they're nothing to do with a person's character exactly. and integrity of, of who they are. Um, which was I spoke to a bunch of guys, single guys in their late thirties, forties. Um, and one thing that came up repeatedly, right, before this conversation is that what, what, what I was hearing from my guy friends that are single, and there's only about three or four of them, is that women are good at very good at telling you what they want. They have a shopping list of things, but they're not so good at telling you what they offer. Yes. Right. So perhaps an idea there is if we focus outwards mm-hmm. on what we can offer, instead of what we want, or maybe get the balance right, Mm -hmm. that we can kind of meet in the middle. Myself and Stephanie often discuss this, the people and men especially say that when they're on a date, they feel like there is like a Mm -hmm. a checklist going, okay, tall, dark, handsome, successful, blah, 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 you know, all that sort of thing. Okay. And one of the things and one of the main advice I would say to people when they're looking they're really starting out or refreshing their dating adventure Mm. is really think about the type of person you would like to meet and then go through it and look at how much of that is bullshit. Like, honestly, how much is a hundred percent necessary and then how much is bullshit. Okay. Then looking at, um, and that sort of person, then who do they date? Like, are you going to, are are they looking for you? So Mm. you're looking at self reflecting back at yourself. Now, For a lot of women, they're confused because they are working in a very male type of industry. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Okay, if you're working for women, you are very often in your masculine energy. You are scheduling, you're working to a timetable, you are um, looking towards targets, you're keeping business going, you are whatever it is, frontiering and presenting yourself constantly. Okay, now, when a man goes on a date, he is not looking to date his equal. He's not looking to date Stephen accounts. He's not looking to date the guy that I don't know if it be me or him that wins the sales target this year, this he month. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't he care. Doesn't, he doesn't care what you do. I've said that at least because I've done, that's probably why my voice is gone, by the way. I've done 18 consultations in the last two days in Dublin and Galway. And he doesn't care. I must have said it at least eight times. He does not care what you do. And the more successful a man is, the less he cares about what you do. Now, it's not mm. that he's not interested and he doesn't care about you. It's more that he wants to know that if you're to get married and have a family, which is what most people want, it's not what everybody wants. And I want to say that as well. But if you're to get married and have a family, are you going to be his, are you going to be his wife? Are you going to be the mother of his children? Are you going to be kind? Do you see him or do you need to compete with him? Do you, are you going to treat him kindly? Are you going to treat him like the man of the house? And as much as, you know, everybody has masculine feminists feminine, are going crazy here now. Any family? I know, they are. Mind, I know right? they are. Okay. But what I'm saying is right. How long there's people are on the, on this earth for thousands of years. Okay. Mm. And if we really think about it, people are on this earth for thousands of years. It's only in the last two generations that people are actually, um, you know, women are actually heading up businesses, frontiering. Now, I will say I come from a long line of my granny was self-employed. She had her own knitting factory with 50, 50 people working for her. My mom is self-employed and I'm self-employed. So I get it. OK, mm. I also worked in finance for years and I was the first female to work in the company that I worked in with over 100 men doing that same job. So believe me, I did it. OK, 
that doesn't work when it comes to dating. So I used to go on dates and I would be like, oh, I was salesperson of the year of the month last month, or I won a sales target or I won this, you know, or I had whatever number of new clients and like business, business, business. Like that's what it, that is what business is. No matter what business you're in, that's what business is. But actually dating is different. So some people say to me, oh, I felt on the date like I was on an interview. And it's like, well, that's- You were. You were. You yeah. were, and that's why you're not going on a second date. So think about it. What is a woman looking for? They are looking for a man that's going to provide. They're not gold diggers. They are looking for a man that's going to provide because guess what? If you're having babies together, and we're just talking about the traditional, I do mm. do, I have same sex relationships. I am open to everybody coming to me. Okay. We're looking at the male female relationship right now and having family, just the, the, the traditional we'll say, or what was all normally, or what is traditional to Ireland would say to, to now. Um, what, you know, men are, women are looking for a masculine man and men are looking for a feminine woman. And it is as simple as that. And sometimes women say to me, oh, well, <clears throat> I really want a guy to, yeah, he has to be masculine, masculine, masculine. It's like, okay, but on your date, are you coming across as a masculine man? Mm. Like, honestly, are you just trying to sell yourself? And it's not really their fault because all day long they're used to, presenting their and everything yeah. so what happens they now they're extrovert in their job they're introvert in their personal life so they now mm. go on their date and so the first thing they're doing first of all they're nervous they try and present themselves so they power dress mm. and second of all then they are going, going to go straight back into what they feel comfortable with when they feel nervous and they're going to default into their masculine energy so what i say to clients is tap back into your feminine energy. I did it myself. This is why I found love myself. And the reason I found love myself is because I tried to figure out what was feminine again. So actually what I started doing is I like my nails to be red, but mm. I started doing natural again because I thought that was softer or pink, okay? Mm. I feel, and I really kind of took account of when I felt more feminine myself. Um, I used to, at the weekends, I would wear a lot of pink. I don't feel comfortable wearing pink when I'm working for some reason. So what I would do is I would wear a lot of pink at the weekends. I made myself a playlist of love songs. As I was driving home from work in the evenings, instead of being all wound up and thinking, okay, I've just said that person on that date and I was out in the road all day, so I didn't get those emails done and everything. Instead of that, I'd switch off and I played songs that made me feel like I was in love. I started putting hearts all over my house, which is kind of handy because being a matchmaker, you kind of like the, the shape of hearts anyway. Um, and I just kind of tapped back into when I was happiest. Um, you know, at walking my dog, cooking, baking, those sorts of things. I know it sounds so traditional. I know to feminists, they're like just getting sick right now. But like, if your dating is not working, what do you, you need to go back to basics. If you're in your masculine energy all week, you know, I was out playing golf. So I was mm. having fun. And, um, you know, like, again, I just was like, how can I get back into this lovely feminine energy? Like, how can I be how I want to be treated? And so I think that's really important. And so that might help some of the ladies out here, but it also might let men understand that when you're in date with a lady, she does want you to lead. She does want you to be the man, but she may not know herself that she's in her masculine energy on that date. So maybe just give her another shot. Just give her a little bit of lead leeway because she has had to frontier her own life. She's had to buy her own house. She's had to build her own career because you you not, don't just get married for the sake of it. She's had to do all of those things until she met you. So give her a little bit of a chance. Why not 
allow her to be in her feminine energy why not when you say to her do you want to go on a date and she's like oh yeah there's a lovely restaurant up the road why not say to her let me be the gentleman and you be the lady and you know what you'll get a million times further in your in your dating if you do that and it works i just really just think that people need to focus a lot more on love and dating i think they leave it till the absolute background of their life it's the least priority but actually it's the most important um you know uh, men that are married tend to be a lot more successful in their career but obviously the person you marry or the person you're with is going to be a lot more um uh, is going to have a huge influence as to your overall happiness in your life so choose choose wisely is what I would say. Um, also with male, you know, same sex relationships as well. I think it's very important that they actually make a move. Men, men and men tend to be a lot quicker when it comes to. So if you're doing dating apps, uh, if two men match each other, they're very quick at getting, meeting up and going offline. For male-female relationships, the woman tends to sit still a little bit and let the man lead, even in that mm. situation. Um, and if it's female-female relationships, the chances of them actually, the, one of them making the first move is very little. So if you know if you are a female looking for a same-sex relationship, just by actually sending the first hello and sending the first message will dramatically increase it. What effect do you think technology and dating apps in particular is having on relationships and dating? I think it has its good, you know, it's good and bad. I don't think it's, if I say to my clients, whatever way you can meet someone is a great way to meet them. Okay. If you lose your job in the morning, you're going to have to get a job fairly fast and you're going to throw yourself into it. And the pace at which you do your dating and online dating and actually, all right, sorry, finding a job and looking for a job mm -hmm. is going to be very quick. If you are looking to date, instead of dragging it out for the next six months and getting exhausted and being mortally wounded at the end of it and then needing six months off until you, you know, being back in the same place this time next year, why not absolutely go for it for six months? Start afresh, close out all your, um, close out all of your apps, restart new accounts. So it's a brand new algorithm, put up really great photographs. You know, if you were selling your car on done deal tomorrow, you're going to want to get the best price you can possibly get. Okay. So you're not going to put, a, you know, the corner of the car standing in front of your urinal, basically, you know, put the best photographs you can up of yourself. If you're online dating, actually go for it properly, go for it, come to a matchmaker. I'll send you out on dates as well. The more dates are going on, the higher the chance of, of you finding love get really great at flirting, get really great at your personality. Your personality is going to get you further than anything else in your entire life. Develop your personality, develop your conversation skills, get to know a little bit of chit chat without it being boring, you know, um, have some really great little stories that you can fall back on anyway. Compliment people. If you watch anything that Barack Obama ever did, you know, he's quite a charismatic man, whether you believe in him or not, and phrase your cup of tea or not, you know, he's quite a charismatic man looking, reading the book, how to win friends and influence people, all of those things. But I think online dating is fantastic. I think technology is brilliant with it. It can dramatically increase your chances of finding love. I have done online dating down through the years. Less what if you go into a bar and you're not going to make any effort, a bar is not going to work. If you go online dating, you're not going to make any effort. It's not going to work. You can get both of them to work. If you're the sort of person that doesn't mind being outside their, their comfort zone and seizes every opportunity, you're going to have great results online dating. You're going to have great results coming to a matchmaker. But if you drag it out, 
you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, if you are going to waste people's time, if you're with a girl and you don't want to be with her anymore, I don't care if it's a message. I'm some people say he broke up with me over a message. And it was like, I'd gone on five dates with them. Oh my God, at least he told you. Like send the message or even after the first date, always send the message. Don't ever just go someone, be a better person of high value. Send the message saying, I had a great time. Really enjoyed your company, really enjoyed the evening. I just don't think there's enough romantic chemistry to go on another date. It is as simple as that. Be a person of high value and um, all of those things. You know, if you're a shitty person and you use online dating, you're still going to be a shitty person. If you're a fabulous person with high values and um, good personality, you're still going to be that person using online dating. So you can get it to work for you. Hey, with online dating, the stats that I've come across indicate that women swipe right. So yes, between five and 10% of the time, the average is about 5%. Men swipe right 40 to 50% of the time. So what they tend to do is fish mm-hmm. and get as many matches as possible and, and pick the, the one or two that they want to date, whereas women are incredibly selective. Another problem that seems to be surfacing is that 80% of women are choosing the 20% of what are perceived as the highest value men. So there's an enormous amount of men being left out of the technology dating pool. So perhaps matchmaking and talking to someone like you could work if you're not finding success in the dating and technology space. Yeah, I would definitely say if you're not finding success in your dating full stop, mm. you should talk to a professional. You know, I, I just don't see why you wouldn't. It's not that access, unaccessible price wise. Mm. You know, it's financially, it's not going to set you back an absolute fortune. And it's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life. You're going to get there faster. And um, you're also going to get feedback. You're also going to make sure we get you the the absolute best match possible. Um, so what kind of numbers? What kind of what what kind of success numbers do you have? So you've had, you've had six thousand dates you've created, 7, right? 7,000. Yeah. Seven thousand people. So yeah, so seven thousand matches over. Sorry, seven thousand matches since twenty sixteen. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. last year I had twenty eight couples got married last year. Okay, now that's not taking into consideration. So I'm one person meeting every single person first of all. Okay, mm. that tells you the amount. Um, of people that I'm meeting like this week. I, I, that's why I have very, my voice is a bit gone. It's a Friday morning when we're doing this. Um, but you know, like I, there's a lot of couples out there that never want to get married again. So they're also in those figures that moved in together. Like, you know, they're not in those figures, the people mm-hmm. that moved in together, the people like, it's great matching two people that just can't find the right person, but are well able to date or don't have the time to be out swiping or because I get a lot of people that are maybe in the public eye. I get a lot of people that are barristers, solicitors, surgeons, guardy, um, people that don't want to be seen on Tinder, basically. So you have all those maybe business owners in a small town. Like I'm from Mullingar. There's a lot of business owners from here and all over the country that come to mm. me because they don't want their 50 staff, their brothers and sisters, cousins, everything. People know each other. Ireland's a small country. Mm. Um, people that are bereaved or widowed, those sorts of things, they don't want to be seen back online dating six months later, but they have to get on with their life. So those sorts mm. of things. Um, so we get a lot of those people as well. Um, sorry, what did you say to me before that? What did you ask me? Well, it was about the the success, the numbers, and um, what a success yeah. was. So, it, so like success could be a long-term relationship, but doesn't necessarily have to be marriage. Yes, exactly. So like successfully, I don't have anybody that's ever re- says to me, I regret coming to you. There's a lot mm. of people that might go off as well, date that person for two, three years, and then come back to me. I get a lot of referrals from people, even people that may have gone through all of their dates and haven't found their lifelong partner. 
um, throughout that process because I'd never guarantee that I'm going to have 100% success right with anybody but may have gone through the process but still sends their sister their best friend their cousin their brother whatever it is to me so mm. I have a huge amount of success it can't it's not, it's not measurable Um, you know for some of my most success I would say is somebody that might come to me they're 42 years of age and say to me I've never been on a date I've never had sex I get those people as well like for me, success there is not even finding them someone. Success mm. there is coaching them to a point where they're actually able to ask someone out on a date and get them to the stage where they're dating someone or confident enough to be able to do that. Um, also as well, people that they're maybe widowed, getting them back out there. People, There's a lot of people out there that haven't gone on a date in 16, 20 years. There's a kind of a trend there of people that had huge relationships in their early 20s and were so traumatized after them, never got any therapy after it. So they wait another 10 years before they go on another date. And all of a sudden they're coming to their late 30s. They kind of realize they want to have a family. How do they get back out there? So all of that is success. I don't see success as just being happily ever after. Mm. Um, also, some people come to me and say, you know what? I'm in an absolutely miserable marriage. Mm and i don't know where to go are there people out there but i just know i can't stay here anymore and i might say go to stephanie talk to her first of all i might say to them you know being realistic you're coming to me you're having constant you've paid to come to me for a consultation or to have an even an online consultation with me as to say if i was to leave this marriage what are my chances of finding new love out there that's enough of a reason for you to be looking further at it. Um, and so, you know, success sometimes is having conversation with someone. Are they the right person for you? But overall, I would have, I don't, I actually don't know the amount of people that are married. I Like, honestly, hundreds of couples are married. Hundreds of people have babies. Every month I have couples getting engaged, moving in together, just meeting new parents, you know, meeting each other's parents, getting mm. pregnant. Um, I have couples fostering kids together that can't have children, you know, all of those fabulous things. Okay, fantastic. And last question. Um, where can people find you? Oh, lovehq.ie. That's it. Simple as that. Um, I'm on Instagram as well at lovehq.ie. As I said before, my podcast with all of the experts is Great podcast. would like to meet. And that's the one I won the oh, yeah. award for best sex and relationships at the Irish podcast awards last year. And then I also have the podcast with Stephanie Regan, who's on your, it uh, was on this as well, two weeks ago, I think it was. That's called Tough Love as well. So loads that's of different brilliant and full of great advice okay thank you so much Mairead it's been fantastic talking so much, to you. Lovely to meet you, you and uh yeah Real keep doing what you do. thank you